Well, amen. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Can we just thank the Lord for Gabby and Izzy? It's grateful for them. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you. Man, grateful for the time that we get to uh, just sing together and to uh, celebrate Advent and now to open the Word of God. So I would invite you to grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 10 this morning. Romans chapter 10. We're going to continue our journey through the book of Romans, but today we're only going to deal with one verse in the book of Romans. Romans 10, we'll look at verse 16 in just a few moments. Pastor Kevin told me earlier, I told him I was preaching one verse today, and he said, man, I'm going to be 70 years old before you finish Romans. And uh, that could be true. That could be true. But uh, we're going to deal with this one verse today. And uh, our theme is wrapped around the subject of joy. As we consider Advent, we've talked about hope and, and peace. And today we're going to talk about joy and, and what that joy means for us. Where do we find joy? And, uh, you know, if, if, if we want to run away from joy, uh, all we have to do is, is, is to reject Christ. And so we're going to talk about uh, the importance of us not rejecting Jesus, the importance of us not pushing Jesus aside and, and how it's mission critical that, uh, that he is not only Savior, but Lord over our lives. So we're going to do some self-reflection today, some, some heart work. And my prayer is to really preach to you from that, uh, that, that vantage point of, man, I want you to hear my heart as I share with you this one verse of how the gospel was rejected. We'll get to that in just a moment. You remember uh, last week we scratched the surface of Luke Chapter two, as we were talking about how beautiful it is, uh, the, the feet of those that carry the good news of the gospel and how preachers are sent to preach the message of Jesus so that those could hear uh, the message and, and believe in the gospel. Well, in, in talking about that, we mentioned that at Christmas time, there's a lot of glittery things that we see all around us, Christmas lights and, and trees and Santa Claus and all the things, but we know as followers of Christ, that Christmas is all about Christ. It's all about Jesus. That, that's why Christmas is the name. It's, it's about Christ. And I drew your attention last week to the angels that are posted downtown uh, Salem Street right here in Apex where they're, they're on the light post and they're, uh, they're, they're declaring something. And we see that, I saw it in Fuquay just last night as well, downtown Fuquay, you see the angels and those angels are declaring this news and this news brings about great joy and it's the news of Christ being born. The one who was long prophesied about, the one who was long expected had now come and the angels were sent to declare this truth. Luke 2 actually says this in uh, chapter 2 verse 8 and following. It says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And then hear this line, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The joy of knowing Jesus is not just for uh, the, the immediate family that Jesus was born into. No, man, we see in the Old Testament in Isaiah, there's a prophecy of Jesus being born of a virgin and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Why? Because it's God with us. And we see him bearing the name Jesus for he is savior to all. And so as we look at this truth, we see that, man, Jesus came for all people, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your cultural background, regardless of what your career path is, regardless of 
your level of intelligence or uh, your economic status or if you're struggling with some form of, of anxiety or maybe even depression or right now you find yourself in uh, a sin struggle that you just can't seem to climb out of. You need to know today, man, that Jesus came for you and your joy is directly attached to him. You will not find lasting, sustaining joy apart from Christ. And we sing this Christmas song uh, from time to time. As a matter of fact, just this week, we had the privilege of going to some of our senior adults' homes and our staff went and we sang Christmas carols. And one of the songs that our group chose to sing, to sing at every home is joy to the world, the Lord has come. There's great joy in knowing that God sent Jesus to us and there's great joy in surrendering your life completely to him. But all that said, you know something to be true and, and so do I. And it's, it's even beyond anecdotal knowledge of us just feeling like uh, this is accurate. There was a, a study done and the Washington Post actually talked about this, that there are less than 14% of people in America who identify themselves as happy and it only goes downhill from there. And that, that means there are large pockets of people all around us that just simply say, man, I ain't happy. I don't have joy in my heart. There's not a lot for me to rejoice in. Well, what I want us to see today is this type of joy that we are speaking of is not as elusive as many may think. As a matter of fact, it's not elusive at all. This joy is not impossible. Ultimate joy deep-seated joy, lasting joy, and the most meaningful source of joy that you could ever have is found in your relationship with Christ. The question becomes, have you surrendered your life to him? And this isn't only a message for those who are lost and need salvation. This message is also for the Christian who has lost their way, for the Christian who has lost their why, for the Christian who has lost their purpose where you just kind of get into the ruts of life. What I like to say is the doldrums of life. You get into these areas of life where joy just seems to be hard to grab onto. I want to remind you today that joy is not elusive. It is found in Christ. What we see in our text is Paul is changing his note a little bit, changing his tune a little bit as he continues to quote from Isaiah. He was in 52 last week, and now we see him Isaiah 53 a little bit Further down uh, in that book, Paul is quoting a few things and he's changing his tune because he, he had just talked about in verse 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in the following verses, he speaks of how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless they're sent? How can they be sent unless they preach to them? How can, you know, th so we, we need to send preachers out to preach the word so that the word can be heard, so that people can believe, so that they can trust in Jesus and have this relationship with Jesus Paul says, how beautiful the feet of those that carry this good news. But now he's turning just a little bit as he continues to quote Isaiah. And let's see what he has to say. If you'll please stand with me, if you're willing and able, in honor of reading Romans chapter 10, verse 16. Abrantus Biblius in a libro de Romanos, capitulo 10. I don't know the rest, but there we go. All right. Uh, Izzy and Gabby do far better. So here we go. Verse, verse 16 says this, but they, all right, this is, this is an unbelieving Jews. Remember, Paul, all throughout the book of Romans, we see his heart for those who are rejecting Jesus. We even see his heart come out in tears where he longs for those to respond to Christ, to give their heart to Christ. And now he's saying, but they have not obeyed the gospel. 
They've not obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, and this is Isaiah 53, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Again, verse 16, but they have not obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? May God bless the reading and the proclamation of his word. Today, you may be seated. A few things we need to consider as we look at this one verse here where Paul is pointing out once again that there are so many who are rejecting the gospel, so many who are simply pushing aside the beauty of who Jesus is, the long-awaited Messiah that all of the Old Testament points towards. There are many that are just flat out saying, we don't believe in him. But Paul knew, man, Paul knew what what it felt like to be in their shoes because he was one of them back when he was named Saul. He was one of them whenever he lived his life to try to come against the movement of the church. He wanted to halt any type of preaching of a a coming Messiah or a Messiah that has been born, that is changing lives. He wanted to halt that. He wanted to stop that so much so that he held the coats of those who stoned Stephen, the first martyr that we see in the Bible, stoned Stephen to death. Why? Because Stephen was one who was preaching the truth and it was going against everything that they had believed in their own religiosity. And they're saying, no way, man. We can't allow this to happen. And this is exactly where Paul once was as Saul. But God got a hold of him on the road to Damascus, changed his life, even changed his name. His name now is Paul. And he is one of the greatest missionaries in all of the Bible, going from city to city, starting churches, encouraging these churches. And he pins one letter in particular to the church at Philippi. And in this letter, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because Paul found that his joy is in no way tethered to his circumstance. He was in the worst of circumstances, in a prison cell cooped up, yet writing a letter saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because he knew that joy is not tethered to a circumstance. It's found in Christ alone. But can we be honest here today? And can we say that oftentimes in our lives, we find that our joy is sometimes attached to things other than our relationship to Jesus, or at least we try to attach it. To other things. What are some examples of this? Well, I can, I can give you a few examples. One is in relationships, right? So we think that, hey, if, if I could just have this one relationship, then, then I would be happy. If I could have this specific relationship in my life, then I would have everything that I need in my life and I would have joy in my heart. Or I guess the other side of that could be true. If I could just get this one person out of my life, <laughs> then I'd have joy, right? I mean, you can think of it that way. Materialism. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have struggled here? Where it's like, man, if I could just get that house that I've always wanted, it's all I need. If I could just get that one house, man, then I would be happy. I've even struggled, I've struggled here even since I've moved to North Carolina. We moved from dirt in North Florida, middle of nowhere, to a place where there's not a lot of dirt. There is a lot of dirt, but it ain't dirt. I can buy, you know what I'm saying? So I'm in a neighborhood. And I'm just not used to neighborhood life, so just getting used to that. And it's like, man, if I could just get some dirt, man, I, I would be happy. But the truth is, I'd probably be feeling like I have to work on it a lot. And all kinds of things would probably trickle down from there. But materialism, right? what about success? We think that, man, I, okay, if I want joy in my life, I need to become somebody, man. 
Like, I, I need people to look at me and know my name. I need them to look at me and know that the title I have is one I've earned and I'm somebody. And then joy follows, but it doesn't because it can't. Maybe for a season, maybe for a little blip, we would say, oh, this makes me happy. But then once again, you're in that same boat that you were in when you were a kid growing up. And the only Christmas gift you ever wanted is that gift that you asked your mama for and your mama got it for you. And you said, I'll never ask you for another thing in the world. This is all I ever wanted. And two weeks later, you're like, I don't, even, I don't even like that thing anymore, right? And we never grew out of that. The same is true with our physical appearance. Sometimes we're like, man, if I, could, if I could just look a certain way, if I could lose a little bit of weight, get toned up, fix this, fix that, then joy will follow. But it doesn't. And you're hungry. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it doesn't do anything for you. But we've all been there, right? Can we just say we've all been there? On some level, maybe some of us are checking all the boxes of like, man, I've been there. What I need you to see today from the word is there are many who did not believe in the gospel. They didn't respond to the gospel. There are many who rejected what they heard. And yes, without a doubt, Paul is speaking of the unbelieving Jews in this text. But I am a firm believer that there are so many of us who are believers but somewhere along the way in our life, what we have done is the exact same thing in terms of we believe the gospel at conversion and then we left the gospel there. And we're going through life, rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. Now there's some heavy things we'll talk about in just a moment, but let me just draw a few things to help us get our minds where prayerfully um, they, they need to be this morning. How many of you know we live in a crazy world? Anybody know that? This is not a new thing. Our world has always been crazy. And apart from Jesus, we will always be that way. Even those who know Jesus. How many know church, some crazy church people too? Come on, somebody. Anyway, like we live in a crazy world because we're broken. It's marred by sin and we're all in the same boat. But we live in a crazy world. And what I've mentioned a few moments ago about the enemy being a liar and the father of lies, that's what the book of John says. This is exactly who the enemy is. We live in a world that has been lied to by the enemy because he is the, the father of this world. And the, the enemy will say, if you will do this, think this way, act this way, chase after this, then you'll be joyful. You'll be happy. I'll give you a few examples on the extreme side. Just follow with me for just a moment. I am a firm believer and I think that this is where our church is, a firm believer that abortion is wrong. And my wife and I, you know our testimony. It's very personal for us. We have done um, mainly her, but lots of work. We've attempted to do all that we can to support our pregnancy care centers because we know, man, that we, we care for these moms and we care for these babies and we want them to see that they're created in the image of God. There's not a mistake here. God has a purpose. God has a plan, right? There are many who take stands like that, that I've just mentioned, the stand, a stand that we take, who are verbally and even physically accosted for standing up for life. Do you know that? Let me give you another kind of real life example from this week. So my son, who does a lot of things wrong, he gets that from my side of the family. He also does a lot of things right. He gets that from his mama's side of the family. Um, just this week, we, we raised him to be a certain way. And I know some of it's cultural, so bear with me. We raised him that when he shakes your hand, he's going to shake your hand with a firm handshake. He's going to look you in the eye. We raised him that way. He's going to say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Cultural may not be something you do. That's fine. 
that's how he's raised. That's the way he operates. So we're teaching our girls those things. She, the, both of them struggle, but we're getting, we're getting there. Um, but that's the way he's raised. So just this week, just this week, he uh, encountered someone in a position of authority, this place that he was at, that he said yes, sir, to. And I was not with him when he was having this thing. Well, Zane came back and he's like, man, I don't know what just happened. But I said, sir, to this, uh, this man a couple of times, and he apparently doesn't want to, clearly a man, doesn't want to be identified as a sir, and my, he's just so confused, man. And it's like, okay, here we go. So we worked through some of that. Um, I, I read this stuff just as you did. Some of you probably saw the Carrie parade where there's Christmas parade, where there's people that are, you know, very overtly coming against at least the group is, the organization against Christians like poking fun, and not only Christians, really any, any religion, uh, poking fun, and this is the world we live in. It's kind of some extremes that we see, right? Here's what I would say. Two things. Number one, that's reality, and I expect lost people to act like lost people, so I'm not surprised by it, right? Lost people act lost. Newsflash. The trouble is when saved people act lost. So here's what happens. Follow with me for just a moment. With these people, we love them. And I, I, I prayerfully, I believe this is true, okay? So I'm not trying to be hyper-religious. All of those people, regardless of how egregious these things are, have a seat at my supper table. And I'm going to be as full of grace as I can, but never, by God's grace, slack on truth which means they probably won't come to my supper table. But happy for them too, to have that conversation. There's that side of it. Here's the other side. When we divorce ourselves from our responsibility because we only see the extreme, track with me for a minute, we no longer self-assess as we ought to because we say, I'm not like them, therefore I'm good, they're not, but... The work we have to do right now is in our own heart. What about you? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Or have you rejected him day in and day out? Is he Lord of your life? Or have you given him just pieces of who you are, yet not all of you. I think that there are so many people that are rejecting the goodness of God because they have not tasted and seen that he is good. I know that language may sound strange, but that's exactly what the psalmist says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I think we've lost our taste buds a little bit for who Christ is. If you want joy in your life, look to Jesus, man. Look to him. It's not about just you know, all the showy things that we can sometimes do. It's about him. Look to him. Look to him. When you look to him, everything changes. You know, when I was in my early 30s, I had all four wisdom teeth removed. And the older you get, the more of a baby you become in time. So they say do it when you're young because you can kind of handle it. I'm older, man. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. I didn't even know they were going to put me to sleep. And they did. I was like, man, this is a big deal. Well, when they got to the last tooth, that, that, apparently my wife was younger and they took hers out without her going to sleep. She's tougher than me. We already knew that. But anyway, uh, I was asleep. They go to pull the last one out, which is my bottom tooth down here, and I woke up. 
Yeah. And, and here's all I remember. I know it sounds really bad. It wasn't that, it wasn't that dramatic. But, but I woke up and I like elbowed the doctor just by habit, like, because something did feel like it's pulling my teeth out of my jaw. So like I elbowed the doctor, not hard, and like hurt her. I just like, like nudged him. And he said, can you feel? And that's all I remember. I think he said, can you feel that? And then he put me right back to sleep. But I woke up and after all the shots and stuff wore off, after all that was gone, half of my tongue, you could draw a line like right down my tongue and this side of my jaw was numb. So I was like, huh, Dana, how long is that supposed to last? She's like, oh, like you ain't supposed to have that still. I was like, okay. So I wait another week or two. I finally go back. I'm like, they're like, how you doing? It was a follow-up. And I said, well, I'm doing okay, but half my tongue is numb and I can't taste and it's just weird. It's a, it's a sensory numbness, not like a, not, not the use of my tongue was, it was just the sensory. And uh, they said, oh yeah, we, looking at all the stuff, we damaged a nerve in there. Um, so it may not ever come back. I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and then they said, but nerves grow really slowly. So it could come back. It did come back about two years later, two and a half years later, it came back. But I remember that time, food tastes different. Anything I drank tastes different. It just tastes different because that whole sensory nerve was damaged. Can I say this to you? I read a quote by John Piper that I thought was so good. I think what happens is we lose this taste for how glorious God is. And this is how John Piper puts it. He says, when Jesus said that the people had chosen to honor God with their lips, but not their hearts, because their hearts are far from them, this is what he said. He meant that their hearts did not taste God as desirable. They didn't taste God as valuable. They didn't taste God as preferable. Their taste was for the praise of man, not God. The praise of man can cause us to believe that there is a treasure somewhere out there greater than the treasure we have right in front of us. Wow. So again, get our eyes off of like the extreme. I'm better than that, so I must be okay mindset. And let's look at our own heart. Is Jesus Lord of your life? What is your greatest treasure right now? Pastor, I thought we were in Advent joy. This is supposed to be a happy sermon. We're like, this is the only way there. This is the only path to get there. Is he Lord? I want you to really listen to this, of every area of your life. To be saved is to submit. If he's not Savior and Lord of your life, he's neither Savior nor Lord. As Baptists, we believe in the assurance of our salvation, but it's not once saved, always saved, punch the ticket, you're good. It's if you're saved, you're always saved. So do you really know him? Because here's the truth. You can't encounter the glory of who Christ is and for the rest of your days act and move and look like someone who is lost. You're gonna have times where you fall. You're gonna have times when you mess up. Welcome to humanity. This is why Jesus came. But if your mode of operation is, I'm gonna live however I want, whatever hedonistic desire I have, I will chase after. But I'm a believer because I remember I did this. That's dangerous. I'm not saying you're saved, you're not. It's not my job. I'm not that guy. What I'm saying is scripturally, that's a dangerous place for you to be in. It's similar to this. Ladies, how would you feel if your husband said, hey, I think you're cool. You're pretty, you're pretty good. Um, love you. And I plan on staying with you until something better comes along. I know how you'd react. You'd be like, get on down the road, right? Here's why. Because a half committed marriage is not a healthy marriage at all. 
Are you fully committed to Christ? Hey, look, I, I, want, you to, I want you to really look at me in this one. First John 1, 6 and 7 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I was reading from this guy named Dr. Wilmore. And it awakened my soul to this very subject that I want to just kind of close by talking to you about. And it's your private life, your inner sanctuary, spirit, soul. Contains your mind, your emotion, your will. I don't want you to underestimate the importance of your private life. We know this. You can fool people around you in your public life. But you can only do that so far because your private life will catch up to you somehow. It'll tell on you somehow, some way. Who are you and who are you really? How's your private life, man? Are you paying attention to your private life? Does Jesus have, hear this, all of you? Or do you have these little pockets of your life that you say, that's mine? I'm gonna hold on to this one. This one's for me, God. You can't have this area of life. I'm not submitting this to you. It's too scary. It's too dangerous. I'm embarrassed. It's mine. I'm just gonna keep doing it because I really don't, there's some days the enemy as a liar just fully tells me that it's okay. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to it. But all the while, man, he's not Lord. He's not Lord of your life. So we can't look at the extreme and ignore what's in front of us in our own heart. What kind of excavating work do you need the Lord to do in your heart right now? Is he Lord of your life or are you pushing him aside? Here's what Spurgeon says. Obedience to the will of God is the pathway to perpetual honor and everlasting joy. This isn't a work salvation at all, but if you are saved, you'll submit. Obedience to the will of God is the pathway to perpetual honor and everlasting joy. So, hey, check this out. I'm getting ready to land the plane, but give me your full attention for just like two minutes. And that's not a hyperbolic two minutes, two minutes. Here's what we know to be true. Every person will bow before Jesus one day. Philippians 2 says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen. While you have breath in your lungs right now, are you surrendering your entire life to him and declaring him as Jesus, your Lord over my life? There's nothing we could ever do to make him any more Lord than he is, but is he Lord over your life? Hey, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, Get saved today. Just call on his name. Lord, I admit I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I confess that. I need you. You're a greater savior than I am a sinner. I trust in you. If we've learned anything in Romans, he is a sovereign God, but there's not this, you know, divine mandate that releases you and I from our responsibility. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to trust in Jesus. Will you do that? Christian, that's here and man, this message is it's hitting you in your heart, man. Here's why. You know your private life doesn't match your public life. You know you got some rooms of your life that you have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. You know it. Can I just say, first of all, there's hope for you, man. 
You're not alone. We've all been there. But you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to give it all to them. By way of testimony, there's been so many times where I've tried to hide. People ask me, why are you so vulnerable from the pulpit? Because there was a time I wasn't. And it leads to trouble. Where are you? You remember that Christmas hymn that I quoted earlier? Joy to the world. Y'all remember that one? I want to draw your attention to a line that you've sang a hundred times. Maybe you've thought about it, but maybe you haven't. I hope you think about it today. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Here's the line. You ready? Let every heart prepare him room. What's in your heart today? Are you making room today? He didn't want pieces, parts, some, or most. He wants all of you. Will you surrender all to him today? I pray that you will. And here's what happens. Here's the result. When you do, I know it doesn't feel like it. When you're in the midst of like that surrender, it feels hard. It's difficult. When you do, you'll walk out of here like Saul walked out when he became Paul, even though it was tough. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? He's my sustenance. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He's what I need. There's nothing that can satiate me other than Christ. It's him. Paul wept for those who didn't know Jesus. He wept for those that didn't know Jesus. Care for the lost. Pray for them. Ask the Lord to do a work only he can do. And as you do that day in and day out, surrender to the Lordship of Christ in your own life. Because what the world needs is not some Christian hypocrite yelling at them. What they need is someone who genuinely believes their claim because they're walking in the Lordship of Jesus. Surrender to him today. Let me pray for us. We'll sing this last song. God, thank you for your love, your mercy, your kindness towards us. God, as we sing this last song, I pray it's a time of worship that we can enjoy together as a faith family. Speak to us in a way that only you can uh, during this time. Lord, I thank you that in you and in you alone, we are able to find lasting, sustainable, authentic, real joy. And that's the hope of Christmas, that joy is found in you. May we surrender our lives completely to you today. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.